All right, welcome to a pre-Labor Day edition of Backlash Podcast. And because of my schedule, this is all my fault. Usually I'm blaming it on Brad and his fishing schedule, but it's going to be my fishing schedule this time because I'm actually going to be gone a couple days right before you hear this. So i got to get this one out early. But anyways, pre-Labor Day, I have two hoppies here, no guest. So Brad's our special guest, and I know Carrie can hold up her end of the bargain, no problem. So it's going to be... Brad and Carrie, husband and wife, just talking it out. And I'll just hang out here and record it. Because I know, like I said, based off the last two weeks with no Brad, Carrie's done a fantastic job filling in. She can just carry this whole conversation. Right, Carrie? Ha, ha, Jeff. <laughs> I, think, I think it's your turn to carry the conversation. Oh, uh, no, I'll do, I'll do whatever I need to do. Like I'm just playing that role, you know. If I'm needed that day to carry the conversation... I'll throw in my two cents. Most of the time, you should probably not listen to my two cents anyways, but either way. And then, uh, but last week, you know, it was our episode with Pete Rich and Carrie and Pete had a nice little conversation. I hung out a little bit for the most part and recorded it. That was about how that went. And the week before, we talked to Vance Kalos and I, I think Carrie wasn't quite, Carrie, I think I held my own on that one. I think I, I did. did the bulk did. of the lifting on that one. So there you, you did. So that's, if, if your fishing schedule is is the issue here, where, where are you going fishing? I'm going to have been in northern Wisconsin by the time you hear this. So I've talked about this on numerous podcasts. You know, okay, like, well, I shouldn't say I talked about this exact topic, but I have talked about my dad passing away on many podcasts. So the week that my dad passed away, I think I had like, four different filming opportunities that week or something like or within that two weeks like i had to cancel everything basically because by the time he passed away and we had the funeral and everything i i wasn't it wasn't going to happen it was just not not in the cards so i still had a few you know so that basically kind of ruined i'd say youtube until now for the most part i was supposed to be in Late July, I was supposed to be up in Hayward fishing with Steve Jensen, and that didn't happen because he booked a corporate trip, and then he said, hey, you can reschedule for August, and I said, I'm really kind of too busy. Let's just keep the the September trip that we have figured out, and so this is like my first chance to actually film YouTube stuff, I guess, for the most part this year, unless I did it on my own, so I'll be with Jeff Van Remortal up in northern Wisconsin for two days, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's not... I would say, I mean, Brad, you've been on the water. Carrie, you've been in the shop, so I don't think you uh, you know for sure. But based off what I can tell, usually there's a kind of an August, late August, early September shallow water pattern. Usually it comes in with like a cold front towards the end of August, and we haven't had that. It's been blazing hot. So I guess fishing's been moderately all right, not amazing, not terrible. Brad, you can probably let me know. Well, how's it been? Well, we did have a little cold front i wouldn't say it was a big one but uh you know normally at this time of the year you're starting to look at top waters and uh small blades big blades and and kind of looking at that shallow water you know as we go into september as a general rule it usually seems like it happens around labor day weekend it kind of happened a little bit this past weekend but then it heated up just like you're saying and so as soon as it started heating up we kind of watched our fish kind of move back out again so it's kind of up in the air it's kind of up to mother nature so we'll see where this goes it's been a little bit tough honestly and it's pretty remarkable visiting with danny herbeck today up in canada 
he's kind of seeing the same thing going on up there as I am here in Minnesota. And I talked to uh, Ty Senate today. He kind of seen the same thing over in the Hayward area. You know, the water temps kind of dropped and they slowly climbed back up two days later and it kind of scattered the fish, honestly. So had some good bites and it kind of got tough again. So, okay. We're just, we're just coming off of like full moon and then, yeah, full moon. Yep. How was that over the weekend? Cause I was out and I had, uh, I don't know, I'd say like sporadic action. I caught a little one and then I had action from like three others. And when I say action, I mean like they actually tried to eat baits and they either missed or I lost them. And, but they definitely weren't shallow, Brad. I, I, I kind of played around a little bit, drove around, did some side imaging while I was kind of, you know, trolling a little bit, just to sort of, you know, get an idea where fish were or see if I could mark anything. And I marked almost everything off structure so they weren't pushed up shallow at all in the lake that I was fishing. And, you know, like I said, I was able to, you know, I got the one little one, had three others eat. So I had, I had chances. Most surprisingly, most of my action came outside of the moon window. One of them came kind of last lightish. So we were in the moon window there, but the rest of my action was like definitely off peak. So I don't know. How was your, you know, full moon weekend? I would say this, Jeff, uh, like Thursday and Friday, we did really well. I, I might've screwed up a little bit. We did some night fishing through that period. Once the full moon came, we ended up dumping two fish that day. And then the next day we ended up dumping two fish. And finally I ended up putting one in the boat the following day, but it, it was really crazy. Yeah. Carrie's over here with her hands in the air. In the air. She, uh, she actually did pretty well on Saturday. Um, she ended up catching one and, and her boat partner, Big Dave, that's been on the podcast several times. He also caught one that day. Um, during that time frame, I think we got one and ended up losing two, if I'm not mistaken. On, that was Saturday. That was full moon. So then I, I switched over and I thought, man, we got to fish after dark. And that's, that's where it got tough. But, you know, back to your point. Um, I would definitely say there was fish on the outer break, that's for sure, but they were also shallow. I, I really believe right now they're just super, super scattered. They're not real sure, you know, is it going to warm up? Is it going to cool down? They probably know more than we do. And um, I would say that as a general rule, they're, they're just kind of scattered everywhere. Yeah, obviously we're talking mostly about the Midwest. I fish mostly in Wisconsin, Brad and Kerry are mostly Minnesota for anybody that's you know, trying to figure out kind of where, where we are. That's sort of where we always generally are is mostly Midwest. So, but I would assume, you know, if you were anywhere where the water temperatures are, I don't know what, Brad, what are your water temperatures? I was surprised. I, cause we had, we had gotten some heat. I was surprised that the water temperatures were actually only like 73, 74. I thought they'd be pushing a little bit higher than that. in some of the lakes, especially cause one lake I fished had some dark water and I thought it was definitely going to be you know, even warmer yet, but it, it wasn't, you know, I was, I was happy when I put my boat in the water that it wasn't, you know, too hot. So I thought maybe there was a chance I was going to have to go find different water, but, um, you know, surprisingly it wasn't that way. How, what are you guys sitting at? You got to remember also, Jeff, uh, the days are getting shorter, so you're not getting that light penetration as many hours in a day. And so that's made a big difference. And we, uh, we were seeing at the coolest, I think it was Thursday or Friday when we had that cool down. It went down to 71 degrees. As it ramped back up with the heat, it hit about 75 again. But uh, our evenings are getting cooler every night, so that's a good thing, too. It's going to kind of stabilize that whole whole problem. 
Yeah, I definitely have noticed that as well. Waking up in the morning, walking out to the shop, that things have been definitely a lot cooler in the morning. It's been pleasant that that way. That generally gets pretty warm during the midday right now. But yeah, I think I don't know. So we're we're kind of on our way. I think I wish we were all well on our way further yet. And you know, from the time we're recording this, since I'm a little early to go, you know, on this one, like we literally just put out, you know, a podcast today. So we're almost as early as we ever get. But anyways, I'm hoping in the next week we see that cool down so that we can all start to think, you know, about that. I, I mean, think I've talked about it before on past podcasts. Uh, September is like the month. If, if you were ever, if you're a musky angler, like that's kind of what the month you wait for, isn't it? You know, and now we're looking at September and that's the month I, th- I feel, you know, October is a great month too, but you know, September just because typically they're in, I would say the one of the most predictable patterns of the year. Yeah, obviously. I mean, September is it's the go-to month, right? I mean, it's one of my favorites. You start to see those water temps cooling down. Fish do generally push shallower, and uh, it makes life a little bit easier. You're you're necking down, if you will, the the body of water that you're going to choose to fish, and it definitely uh, puts them in that realm where it's a lot easier to find and catch them. So Brad, you have a lot more experience on the water than I do, you know, seeing, being as though you're a couple years older than me, you know, during this time frame, we always talk about shallow water fishing and how, you know, great it is. They move into the weeds and top waters and bucktails and all that other stuff. But do you, and typically that's where I go look for them and usually have success doing it. But do you ever go poke around out in deeper water yet? Are there still fish out there for guys that are, you know, looking to maybe not troll weeds or maybe they're just looking to troll in general or maybe they're just looking to cast, you know, big rubber baits over deeper water? Do you find fish out there yet too, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like I said, you know, this first cold front, it it seems like the fish were a little bit confused. You know, do they go shallow? Do they stay on the brake lines? There's always fish on the brakes. I mean, think about it. In my opinion, you know, a lot of the bigger fish like to hang on those breaks. And the reason they do that is they have escape routes to the deeper water, right? So if they're being bothered, guess what? They can just shoot right out to the deep and uh, pretty much feel safe again. So I think a lot of times we might neglect those deeper break lines when it comes to September. But it's definitely something that you should be aware of and check out. Maybe you can shed some light on the subject. So I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and I said to him, I'm like, I personally feel that there's a group of fish that probably only come in shallow to spawn and then they're out in the deep water for their entire lives. I mean, for the rest of their lives, basically, because if, if there's food nearby, there's no really no reason for them to have to go into the shallow water. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the shallow water, what, what that's really truly about is the water comes start cooling down, you know, they're going to go look for those rocks or that sand kind of, uh, the structure that's going to produce the most or retain the most heat is what I should say, you know, and weeds can be a factor in that as well, especially if you got like a good hard sand bottom and there's weeds involved, those fish are going to go there because, Hey, the temps are dropping and they're looking for that comfort zone of uh, warmer water. All right, Brad. Well, first, first off, let me, let me talk about a couple things here. So you're talking, obviously, you know, we've talked about this at length during any of our podcasts in September, and I'm sure it's going to get redundant by the time September's over. So you're looking at, you know, shallow water. Now, Brad, when you're picking out shallow water, are you looking to go like really shallow or are you looking for the first, I mean, are you still looking at those, that first, 
shallow brake line or are you pushing up over the top of weed flats? Like what's your thought process on, you know, finding them during this time of year? Or are you checking both areas? I'm guessing, you know, as, as you've said before, you know, fish have uh, fins and they like to swim. I'm, I'm assuming if you're not finding them, contacting fish fairly quickly in a certain area, you're going to be making a change. Why don't you talk a little bit about your breakdown, seeing as though, like I said, you're definitely the uh, smarter of the two musky anglers here. I mean, even Carrie's got me beat, so, you know, heck, I'm just the guy that's got the microphone here. You get more time on the water than I do. Not over the course of my lifetime, I don't. That's probably true. I mean, heck, you've probably caught more inches in musky just last weekend than I have all season. (laughs) That may be true also. (laughs) (laughs) I did catch a halfway decent fish. Well, there you go. I bet you it was more than halfway decent. I know you're just being modest. It was, it was, I was happy with it. I think it was 44, so I was happy. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Heck, I like 24s. Those are fun, too. I have not caught one of those ever. Really? I caught a 16 one time, and I think a 28. Those are my two, like, smallest. Well, I've had that beat probably a couple times already this season. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's got the best fish in my boat so far. Now, keep in mind, you know, uh, it's been very, very limited time on the water for me. I've finally just, like I said, I mean, I didn't basically fish all of June and the good probably half of July for sure. It's only been spotty at best even in August. So hopefully things will get better here in September. But, um, you know, again, we've talked about it before. It's just incredible how busy that we've all been in you know, business comes first in a lot of cases, unless I have stuff scheduled. And this year I had it scheduled early and I didn't have anything. I don't really like to schedule stuff that much in July. It's not my favorite month to be on the water. I know Brad's talked about it before. He likes it, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah, it, it's kind of challenging some days, you know, especially the, you know when you're in the 90s every day. and It, it gets to be long days on that uh, hot water, that's for sure. You know, every month kind of has its little special identity, if you will. So it's uh, it's always fun to kind of transition from month to month throughout the season. And you just need to adjust accordingly. And generally speaking, you know, if you're on the water every day, you're usually in tune with uh, what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I'll, I'll say this. This year it's been kind of frustrating. You know, your question was, where, where do you start and where do you go? One of the challenges that I've seen here in the last week or so, maybe even the last two weeks, are the fish aren't really following. They're not, like, showing themselves. So you're kind of blind fishing in a sense. Um, It makes it a little bit more challenging. And it seems like our windows are really, really short. But definitely the majors and the minors have played a big factor. I would even say sunset, um, if it's mixed in with some of those moon phases, definitely has been a real key. So... I guess what I'm saying is that if you're not on them and you're not on them while that little window is happening, you're probably going to have a rough day. And that's kind of what I've been dealing with. As you know, if you, if they're not giving themselves away, it can be truly, truly challenging. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I can say that I've been somewhat lucky that way. Like as far as fishing goes, I mean, every single time I've been out, I've either caught one or had an opportunity to catch one. And again, now keep in mind, this isn't like ridiculous amounts of opportunity, so I'm not bragging because I'm not that special, but um, it's been solid that way for me. And quite honestly, it's been, ni- it's been nice because it's been, you know, uh, the, qual- the quality hasn't been great, but 
it's definitely been easy fishing as far as like finding them and getting them to bite. But much like you said, I don't know that I've had a follow yet. Everything's hit away, which, you know, for inexperienced anglers such as myself, it's nice. I don't have to have to, uh, you know, perfect my skills in the figure eight. Yeah, that that is one piece and, and component to the month of September, too. I think a lot of times they will follow all the way to the boat. That makes it kind of neat, too. You know, you get to enjoy that fish coming into the eight and trying to get it to eat. And if you play your cards right, it, it happens, you know, and that can be exciting. And I, it's really wild that September kind of seems to be that month that that really starts happening. Speed can become a big factor as well. You know, when we first get these initial cold fronts, some of these fish are going to be a little bit sluggish. And so one of the ways that you can uh, kind of up your odds, if you will, as far as getting them to, to uh, bite is just put a bunch of heat on it, you know, speed it up really good. Um, some of the fish that we caught this past week, once this little mini cold front was on the triggers, you know, and you can burn a trigger pretty good. They got a lot of noise to them and uh, definitely paid off in our boats. The one thing you'll find too, that I've found is you'll catch because of depending upon where your boat positioning is, I can think of a certain, you know, a couple spots that I fished where I'll fish it inside and then I'll kind of fish outside. So I'm kind of casting from the shallow over to the deeper section. Then I'll swing around. I'll, I'll go deep to shallow. And I know sometimes if they're hanging right on that break, they'll literally be right underneath your boat. Like a couple of years back, I think my daughter lost two or three just because she was literally doing a figure eight, didn't see about a, a fish at all. And boom, the thing, you know, shoots up out of the boat, out of the weeds and, and nails her bait. So it can be an exciting time too. I mean, that aside from that can be difficult to keep them hooked. It can also be like, I mean, that's some of the most exhilarating musky fishing you can get. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. You know, I, that's a, you brought up a good point, you know, fishing inside out can definitely pay off. I think one of the, the crazy things, and I don't know if this is the case over by you right now, but because of the early spring that we had and all the sun, we really didn't have any moisture over here. That's another whole topic that we'll probably slip into here. But uh, there is more weeds than I've ever seen, at least on Miltona. I mean, it is insane. There's so many weeds. And that's kind of a challenge as well. You know, you got way more to cover this year than we normally would on a, on a normal year. So that's uh, been part of the challenge as well. I mean, the whole flat is basically one giant weed bed this year instead of a couple little places here and there that uh, definitely produce. So it's, uh, it's playing a factor in the catch success, that's for sure. Sure. Now, Brad, you talked about speed being a factor. Let's just say for an average angler, are they better off to be burning all like just you know we're not talking I'm not talking seasonally I'm just talking in general. Do you think you catch more fish burning or do you think you catch more fish slow rolling baits you know blades in in uh, particular than you you know during the course of an entire season? I definitely seem to go slower, but some of that is based upon some of the waters that I'm fishing. I'm fishing a lot of deeper breaks and uh, I think a lot of times going slow actually positions your bait to be deeper in the water column. And that usually can be part of the factor. So, you know, it, it depends on what you're doing, Jeff. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, right? But if you're unsure what the fish really truly want, if you've got a boat partner, one of you go slow, one of you go fast. And uh, then from there, if you don't have a boat partner or maybe you do, you know, try to do every other cast. We've talked about this before and 
I think it definitely becomes a huge factor. Speed is always something that, to consider. And like this year, one of the things that I can say is because the weed growth is so incredible, our water levels are way, way down. So the weeds are almost to the surface. So you don't really have a choice to slow roll if you're shallower than, say, 10 foot. But uh, so that's kind of become a factor as well. Sure. Yeah, I was just trying to get, you know, we, we have, I would say we have listeners of all all experience levels on this podcast. So I was just trying to get them, you know, I'm just trying to help a guy or, or girl. Again, I say guy all the time, but that's inaccurate. Anyways, I'm hoping, you know, I'm just trying to get them a, a general starting point. Like if they're, you know, unsure of where they're starting or what they're doing, should they be burning or should they be slow rolling? Obviously, in your case, you think slow rolling. I think I lean towards that as well, just because, um, I don't know, I've just seemed like I've caught more fish that way. But I've definitely seen it where speed is absolutely the trigger. And if you're not flying, you're not catching. And, you know, most, you know, I'd say for you, if you have two people in the boat, it's obviously easier. For me, I fish by myself quite a bit, and so I don't always have the opportunity to do both. I got to pretty much pick one or or alternate or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way, right, Jeff? I mean, you think about it. You have the opportunity, if you're a solo fisherman, burn the first cast, slow roll the second, you know, and, and it's going to depend on the structure that you're fishing if it's, uh, if it's allowed, if you will. But even when you are in that shallow stuff, there's times when you can, you know, if you're using some bigger blades like the cowgirl, uh, it's amazing how well it goes through weeds. Um, the new detonator is kind of the same way as we were talking about it yesterday in the boat. You know, as the bait's coming through there, those bigger blades will push those weeds out of the way. And once you it punch down, it does depend on the weeds, Gary. But, you know, one of the things that I was going to say is people see that surface cluster of, of leaves and weeds. If you think about it, if you punch down below that, it's kind of like uh, a woods, if you will, you know, where you've got the, the tree trunks and the leaves are all in the top. Well, I mean, the, the lake weeds are kind of that way as well. You know, if you're in some milfoil or if you're in uh, coontail, it's definitely more challenging. But, you know, as long as you're in like the cabbage bed, you can definitely kind of roll right through that effectively fish it at slower speeds. Sure. You're, you're missing you're missing one speed though, Jeff. What's that speed? You have like extreme slow and you have extreme fast, but there is just like the happy medium where you just reel comfortably and not kill yourself either direction. I thought you were going to say the uh, the medium speed would be speed with a bobber and a worm. I thought that was the speed we were going with on that one. No, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking about me casting the other day, which typically I'm the queen of slow. But we were, it was pretty windy when we were out, and um, we had really no choice but to drift. So we were drifting the flats, and it was pretty shallow water anywhere from, what, three to ten feet, something like that, with the weeds popping out all over. So I had no choice to go to go like fast but it wasn't like burning fast it was just fast enough to stay over the weed top sure. so there is that speed too and it's kind of just a i'm not going to kill myself comfortable speed with a bucktail i think i was somewhere between like comfortable and slow most of the time this past weekend so i would say i err much like you guys i err on the side of slow more often i don't know it might be a detriment to me but like brad had said 
depends on the structure I'm fishing as well. So we should talk a little bit too, Jeff, about, I, I don't know about your body's water. You guys have been just getting pounded with rain, but you know, a lot of uh, Minnesota over here has struggled to have rain this, this whole year. Um, the last rain that we had had was June 11th until oh, last week, Saturday or Friday or something like that. Friday. Was it Friday? We finally got some more rain over here. And then another day, this was yesterday morning, we got a little bit more again. But one of our issues is lake access. It's, <laughs> it's scary right now. I don't know how, many, how much longer I'm going to be able to fish on a lot of my bodies of water due to the access being so low to float a boat off is not going to be easy here shortly. I mean, it's already a struggle. We're using the trolling motor to get out. And when you're coming in the load, you've really got to be careful. Your crop's right in the gravel. So uh, you guys probably haven't seen that over there where you're at, have you? Not really. I would say most everything's running probably about normal. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like too far above normal because the weird thing about it is like we will get dumped with three inches and then we'll go, you know, five, six days without it. I have the Wolf River that's literally right by my house and it seems like I've driven past it a lot more often because my daughter has her temps, so she wants to go driving all the time now. So I got to try to fit that into my schedule and that's a fun deal too. But anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. So we go driving past the river and one day it'll be way up, you know, I'll, I'll be like, holy cow, that thing's, you know, like almost like um, spring level. And then like today though, I went past it and it seemed like it was down probably two feet maybe or so from just last week. So, and, but again, yesterday when we just got dumped on again with rain, so I'm guessing it's going to come back up again. So we've had a lot, especially if you're river fishing, from what I can tell, you've had a lot of fluctuation because it's been, you know, three inches, then nothing three inches then nothing so it's it's kind of strange how that works too but we're definitely not in drought conditions like you guys i mean certain areas of northern wisconsin especially from where i am has just gotten you know pounded Uh, there i haven't stopped cutting my grass i thought in june i was going to get lucky like early june actually and we weren't gonna have to cut grass and then after that it was like floodgates opened up and we've been getting rain every single week so we're definitely not in in that position i think everybody should be able to access water here in, in Wisconsin. I don't think that's an issue. Yeah, it's wild. We, the last time we mowed the grass was uh, June 13th. (laughs) So that gives you an idea. The last time I mowed my grass was, let's see here, it's Wednesday. I think I mowed it yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. Let's see here. I think it was Monday. I think I mowed my grass on Monday. Yeah, because I wanted to on Sunday. And then for whatever reason, it was like everybody had to order fishing lures on Sunday. So I was busy in the shop till the wee hours of the morning. And that was great. I like it. But anyways, it didn't allow me to cut the grass. So I cut it on Monday. And then, uh, I don't know, I should probably cut it again before I go fishing again. Because, well, that's what happens when you get rain of that proportion every other day or so. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's quite the difference between uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, that's for sure. Well, especially because, Brad, usually if we compare notes on weather, you'll be like, oh, yeah, we had wind today. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're scheduled to get wind tomorrow. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, we just had a cold front today. I'm like, yeah, we're supposed to get that cold front tomorrow. So it seems like it just kind of moves straight across. But this year, it it hasn't translated at all. I think air temps probably have been similar, you know, in wind patterns. I mean, multiple multiple times it looked like we were going to have storms we had lightning we had thunder we had the whole works the wind comes in 
and we get like 10 drops of rain and it's over. You know, that's, that's the wild part to it. But it's starting to finally turn around. It looks like we're going to get wet here the next three days. And hopefully that'll help some of the accesses. It's just ultra scary low. So if somebody's putting in here in Minnesota, be careful because uh, it's quite scary. So let's transition away from water. And most people, I don't know how much they care about us talking about that at all. But anyways, it's you know part of the game. So we got to talk about it. Let's talk bait spread. I know we talk about blades and obviously they're, you know, let's just talk. We'll, we'll do a little musky mayhem infomercial and we'll let's talk about blades. You have so many different options. And so we always say, oh yeah, it's blades. It's top water. It's this, it's that, you know, when are you going to choose a single girl versus a double cow girl versus a, you know, JR3 versus a detonator versus a trigger? Can you kind of talk about when, like, what are the situations that would have you using, you know, a, a handful of those baits? Uh, usually when your back hurts really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that amazing. You know, I, I caught some fish on the single girl here in the last week. And literally, I was throwing the single girl based off of how bad my back was hurting. Um, it's an easy retrieve. It's got a ton of vibration. It definitely uh, puts fish in the boat. And it can be really nice to, to really move it at a decent speed. And uh, even if you want to burn it, it's really not that painful. And that, that was the key factor for me. And then I'm like, oh, I'm catching on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with it. But, you know, it really depends on what you're going to do, Jeff. It really does. We were fishing two to three feet of water here, I don't know, three, four days ago. And when we were doing that, I was uh, basically burning triggers. I, I wouldn't say I was going wide open, but I was moving the bait pretty, pretty fast. And the neat thing about that is the ton of vibration that you get out of that bait and, and the noise included with it, you know, the grinding noise that they produce. It definitely has a, a triggering effect. No pun intended, right? So, um, you know, but there's times like if I'm in five, seven foot of water, um, even in that three foot of water, I will sometimes run a cowgirl. And the reason I do that is slow the presentation down, kind of steer it around the weeds, just try to get it hanging basically in their face, you know? And the other thing that I would definitely think about is after dark. You know, you use a bigger bladed bait because you can slow down your retrieve and it'll hang right in the water column. Let those fish actually identify where that bait is. I was hoping you were going to give me something a little more scientific. Like if I'm running rocks in four feet of water because of this or whatever, I use this tool. And because of this, I would use this other tool. But anyways, all right, that's, well, that, that's, that's, acceptable. that's another piece. That's another piece to the equation, Jeff. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you are going to, again, I, I said, when you slow down, you're going to use bigger blades a lot of times so that you can hang it and keep it above, you know, the structure. So let's talk about that. If you had a rock pile that's uh, two foot below the surface and you wanted a slow roll over that, I would suggest use the bigger blades, you know, use like the cowgirl or the supermodel. Um, the detonator, you got to retrieve a little bit faster, but uh, definitely all three of those baits will allow you to go slower and still maintain a height you know in the water column where you're not going to get hung up on those rocks right so that's definitely something to consider um and now if you're going to burn it over top of that well then you can use some of those smaller baits and 
and definitely uh, put some heat on them and uh, go right over those shallow rocks. But definitely part of the equation, you're, you're spot on. Yeah, but well, you know, much like you said, there's going to get more lift with those bigger blades than you are with some of the other stuff. I mean, same thing. You can use the same principle based on how much, you know, how tall is your weed growth. You know, if you have four foot, bef- you know, four foot of water before it, you know, over the top of these weeds, it opens up your options a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one of the things, like I was saying earlier here, you know, some of the toppers off this cabbage. It's amazing. They're three to four inches out of the water. So, you know, throwing blades, you, you kind of got to steer it through some of that. A lot of times you can beat it with uh, the speed, you know, just kind of rip it right through. All right. So, Brad, I asked you if you were going to, you know, if you're going to take one speed approach, you know, essentially for, I, I kind of asked you for the entire season, you're going to go slow. But let's just say for September, you're going to pick one bucktail. I think I know which one you're going to guess. If you're going to take one bucktail for September, what's that one going to be? Daytime or nighttime? Uh, well, let's try daytime and nighttime. Why don't you tell me that way? I'll get you, Carrie, too. You're, I mean, heck, you're, you've caught way more big fish than I have, so you might as well offer your, your opinion as well. That's a really tough one for me, Jeff. If it's nighttime, it's a, it's a cowgirl for me. I, I know there's tons of guides and the guides that fish for other companies and do whatever they do, but at the end of the day, their favorite choice is the supermodel after dark. But I still am a cowgirl guy after dark. That's uh, my ultimate, probably all around go to bait. And I'm guessing that's what you were thinking, right, Jeff? Yes, I was going to say you're going to go. You're going to go cowgirl for sure. I've I've had a couple of conversations with you on this podcast over the course of uh, two years, and I've realized that, surpri- not I shouldn't say surprisingly, it's that's your tool. The only reason I would say surprisingly is because um, my own sales with Team Rhino Outdoors do not tell me that at all. Now, granted, I would say that we're probably more, you know, we have more customers in Wisconsin than we do in any other one state but we kind of have customers all over the place, but our sales specifically on the cowgirl do not tell me that many people are using them as much anymore. You, you we sell the, tr- you know, the trigger has been phenomenal this year. Double showgirls We sell really, really well. Even uh supermodels have been pretty good. Detonators have obviously been really good because they're new. And then, you know, your rabbit squirrel line is obviously really strong. And even the juniors are pretty strong, but it's just amazing to me that, you know, after all this year, all the hype, I think lots of anglers are not throwing the cowgirl. And I'm certain it's because they don't want to deal with the pull on it. But with a lot of the tools that we have available these days, it's a lot easier than it ever has been to throw one. So that's why I'm I'm just, I'm not surprised by your answer. I'm actually surprised more people aren't using them. Because not only, I mean, the other thing too is I'm at one point, obviously you guys know, you sold piles and piles of them. So even if you're not buying a brand new one, you have one in your tackle box. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, Jeff. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, the fish won't eat number 10 blades anymore. And, eh, let them think that because all I can tell you is that it produces a ton of fish in my boat every year. You know, we cycle through generations of fish as well. I mean, I think a lot of people forget about that. But uh, the cowgirl is definitely a staple. Um, we're super happy to have it part of our entourage of uh, baits. But uh, I love it. It's still one of my all-time favorites and it probably always will be 
you know, and, and right now I would say as a second, you know, if it was a daytime thing, I mean, this trigger thing has just been insane. I, I still love the detonator probably more than the trigger, but for the month of September, I'm going to tell you this. I, the trigger is, it's pretty spot on. Yeah. I've definitely seen it, you know, for sure. Last year when, when we first got him, I went on a trip with Jensen, um, and he was smoking fish on it. And then shortly after I left, I, he, of course, typical to when I go fishing with Steve, he's like, um, I'm going to keep that one and I'm going to keep this one and I'm going to take this one. And so, but he was still smoking fish on it all of September last year. So, I mean, it's a, definitely a bait that we're going to have in the water this year. I still like the, the detonator a lot too. I'm just, it's got a big profile. It's got some big blades. And in my opinion, it doesn't pull that hard. I, I think it pulls like a junior cowgirl. So if you fish that and you're afraid to, you shouldn't be afraid to fish a detonator. I've said it lots of podcasts. It's, it's a good tool, you know, that way as well. Yeah. What, what really makes that special? I mean, I, I look back at all the best cowgirls I ever had. They had a really crazy grind to them. Right. And if I could duplicate that grind over and over and over again on every cowgirl we ever built, I would for sure do it. I could never truly figure it out. Uh, the closest that we've ever gotten is with the trigger and the detonator with that metal sleeve underneath the blades and clevis. It definitely creates that grinding noise. And it's amazing. I mean, even at 20 mile an hour winds this last week, we're uh, throwing triggers and they're coming in and you can just hear it right over the wind and everything. It's just, it's just grinding the whole time. And it definitely, you know, put something in the water that uh, fish haven't seen, heard, and uh, definitely they like it. All right, so Carrie, daytime bucktail for September, nighttime bucktail for September. What do you have? I'm a little torn on the daytime. So if you're going to tell me daytime, the fishing kind of sucks, I'm going to go with the cowgirl because that's, I'm just going to, I just always default back to a cowgirl. And I often default back to the original cowgirl, which is a purple gold one. If it's really brutal, I am a bit partial to the trigger. I've done pretty well with the triggers. They're, they're nice to throw. Like Brad said, they make some horrendous racket and the fish seems to like them. So if fishing's like decent, I'm going to probably pick up the trigger first. If I'm going to have to really work for them, I'm going to go for a cowgirl. And after dark, I'm always, always going to throw a cowgirl. Always. Well, let's, let me ask you, Carrie, then. So Brad was telling me that a lot of guides like to throw the supermodel, and I've heard them right out of their mouth say how much they like to throw a supermodel after dark. How come you and Brad, Brad both decide you want the cowgirl? Why don't you guys want the supermodel? Oh, I've seen Brad throw supermodels after dark. The, oh. the primary reason for me, Jeff, is you can go slower with the cowgirl. I think a lot of people are intimidated by the number 13 blade. You know, if you buy a Musky Mayhem, supermodel you know there's other blades out there that have been copied or whatever the 12s and there might be some 14s there might even be some 13s but our our 13 blades that we use both on the detonator and the supermodel is an exclusive to us we we had that created for ourselves um we're the only ones that sell it we shaped that so that it wouldn't pull as hard as like a cowgirl so those that haven't thrown it definitely don't be afraid of it i mean if you're if you don't like 10s, the 13s might actually be a better answer for you because they, they don't pull as hard as a 10. 
that's the primary reason. I think the harder a bait pulls, the slower you can go on the water and the more racket it makes. And that's what becomes the key component in my mind for a great night bite. Night bait, excuse me. I just am the queen of slow. And I like my baits to come up at the boat almost vertical. And with, there's too much lift for me with the supermodel. That makes sense. That's acceptable answers. All right. Well, then, so we've, we kind of just played Musky Mayhem infomercial for a little while. Why don't we talk about a bait outside blades for, you know, this fall time fishing that we're going to be just getting into? Brad, Carrie, yeah. you got any options there? Um, I'm a topwater girl. I will either throw bucktails or topwater this time of year throughout the month of September. Whether Brad tells me they're not going to eat that or not, I still throw topwater just because you never know. Right. I can say that we filmed with Jeff Bannermortal late last year, and it was, I don't know, I want to say it was like mid-October-ish maybe, and it was pretty cold out, and he's breaking out the top water, and I was like, hmm, that's odd. Wouldn't really be my first choice. Sure enough, gets two fish on top water that day. I'm like, huh, interesting. So it just goes to show you that, I mean, top water baits aren't just a September thing. You can definitely roll them into October yet. Yeah, I prefer to throw top water like September into October. That's when I have the most fun with it. Even in like big wind when you see the fish cut through the waves, it's pretty cool. So, Brad, I, I, uh, speaking of topwater, I got a chance to play around with that new one, the Tomahawk from Bomb Squad Baits. Did you get a chance to play with his bait yet? Yeah, we have been playing with it. Um, we've had a little bit of success on it, and uh, I kind of made a few tweaks on mine, but uh, I think Jeff's following up with it. it. It's really, really cool. The other one is his flap. Um, we've had some action on that as well this year, so... It's, uh, it's coming to that time of the year where that's going to really mean some success and definitely something that people should check out. Yeah, absolutely. His flap tail, boy, I got to play around with that not that long ago, and that thing is awesome. He's made a couple of changes even to that one, and it's uh, it's unbelievable. The sound on a thing is awesome. It's pretty crazy how great that flap is, in my opinion. But um, it's, it's one of the coolest flaps I've ever played with, you know. I've tried a bunch of different brands, you know, over the years, but I, I would say the neat thing about it is very erratic. So you, you don't have that just constant ting, 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 ting. It'll ting in and out and then it'll kick back in and it'll kick out. And so erratic's good, I, I think. So definitely something to check out. I'm, I'm hoping to put some of those fish on, on film here. So should be interesting. But yeah. Jeff's got something really going there. You know, a couple other top water baits that definitely have always been a really good bait for us, you know, going into September, even in October, is the pacemakers, obviously, and then the, the Lake X stuff. The Cannonball Junior can be really, really effective when it's ultra, ultra windy. Um, they sit deep in the water, kind of like the tomahawk that Jeff made. And I, I think they push a lot of water, and I think there's a lot of racket to that. One of the things that you can do with that uh, Cannonball Junior, the Cannonball, even the Fat Bastard and some of the others that he makes, you can extend your hook position by just adding a couple split rings to that front hook and make it almost like a pacemaker where it's clacking right off the uh, the prop. 
Yep, absolutely. So then, Brad, is your you know we we got Carrie's choice. Her choice her choice is top water. Is that your second choice as well? If you're not throwing blades, absolutely for the month of September, absolutely. And uh, I, I like I said, I mean, we've had that flap in the water almost every evening uh, as the sun's starting to go down. Definitely got it out there playing with it. So the fish seem to like it. They've been getting really snaky on it. Again, I think we just need a little bit more temperature drop where that water starts to cool down just a little bit more, and it's even going to become more predominant. Well, then I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to go, if I had to pick a bait outside of blades for September, I'm going to be throwing a 10-inch Suic, whether it be the the weighted or the or the thriller high. We've done well on all of them. It seems like sometimes if uh, one person's not catching them on that, somebody else can be, or if one person's not catching them on blades or nobody's moving them on blades, it seems like that Suic just paused in their face. So just it, There's just something about it. It just catches muskies. It's been a great, great producer for us over the past I don't know, probably four or five seasons, however long we've been filming YouTube. It seems like forever, but it's been um, it's been a great bait for us. So definitely don't, in my opinion, don't look past uh, jerk baits yet in September. They can still have a time and place. Oh, absolutely. There's not a bad time to throw a jerk bait. That's for sure. Yeah, and the one we didn't even talk about was rubber. You know, you can do, as long as you can keep the rubber, you know, rolling clean, it can still be a really solid option as well. Not always my go-to, especially if it's a shallow presentation. But if you're, you know, checking out those brake lines, definitely uh, don't, you know, don't overlook a um, a bulldog or a Medusa. They can definitely be an option for you as well. Hands down. I mean, we're throwing them in three to four feet, three to four feet of water this past week, actually, and had some activity on them. So it, it's just how you work it, Jeff. Right? I mean, it's about the action that you provide on the bait. And that's another one that kind of hangs in their face, no different than a jerk bait, really. So definitely something to be be uh, considered in the arsenal for the month of September, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's funny because as I've gotten along in my musky fishing career, I used to hate working bulldogs. You can One of my first times ever using one, I was with, I was with Steve, and this is when I wasn't even friends with him. We were just, I just hired him as a guide. I was learning how to musky fish and he's got me throwing this bulldog around the weeds and it was a regular bulldog. I thought this was like the most torturous thing ever. Stop me if I ever told this story on the podcast. I don't know if I have or not, but I hated it. It was terrible. I was getting weeded up on every single cast, mostly just cause I didn't know what I was doing. I was too new. I had no clue, but you know, you make a couple rips up, you know, and, and, uh, work it kind of quick, especially with the newer reels, you can pick up the line kind of fast. So you're not dropping quite as far. I mean, you, you'd be surprised at how much you can work a regular, you know, either a regular bulldog or a mag bulldog right above those weeds too. I mean, they're, you know, a pretty good tool for that too. Like you said, Brad. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I think people, they get kind of stuck in their ways or, or what we've maybe read in Musky Hunter magazine or seen on TV or YouTube, you know, everybody gets stuck in the realm that, oh, this is the only time I can use this. Oh, this is the only time that that presentation works. It's a little bit bigger than that. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is a stereotypical, I guess, is blades going into October through into November. I mean, I've proven it time and time again, you can use blades during that time frame and be successful. It's the same way in the summer throwing big rubber. There's no question about it. Big rubber will work you know, throughout the whole season. So don't get hung up on something that somebody said or some, 
something that you read or whatever it might be. You definitely need to get out there and experiment and have confidence. And if you have confidence in a certain bait, use it because more than likely you're going to catch on it. You fish differently when you have confidence in that lure. So Brad, before we wrap this one up, I guess we've done this to other guides. And since I have no guide today, I'll do it to you. If you got one tip or Carrie, maybe even two, I like to get Carrie involved. She's been sort of silent tonight. You've kind of overshadowed her and I know she can definitely rattle off a whole pile of sentences quickly. I, uh, I learned that a couple weeks ago. Anyways, if you guys have one tip to help people get started on their, you know, fall fishing, we'll call it fall because I, I consider once we get to September, that's fall for me. How do you, uh, what's your tip? What, what can you offer somebody for trying to catch a couple fish, especially, you know, us heading into Labor Day, uh, three day weekend, a lot of people are going to be on the water. Yeah. I, what the first thing that came to my mind is, and this is pretty funny, but a really good friend of mine, Pat Smith, he told me one time, he said, the only out of bounds is the dew on the grass. And what he means by that is these fish can go ultra, ultra shallow. Don't be afraid to get right on the bank if you have to. These fish will lay up there right on, you know, basically under a dock or right on the shoreline when it really starts to cool down. So definitely think about that as the season continues and the water temps start to drop. The only out of bounds is the dew on the grass. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I don't know if I can stop that, Jeff. I was gonna say I don't know if I've ever heard that one before, Brad. I've talked to you a lot. I've never—that's uh, not a hoppyism that I've ever, uh, <laughs> I've ever heard before. I've heard that before. I think I've even heard Pat say it, and <laughs> and I've seen it actually work. But I don't know if I can top that with a hit. Wait, you gotta you gotta come up with something, Carrie. I know you can come up with something. Oh man, in September. My only thing is, is I just you just gotta keep casting. It can happen any minute in September. End of August, September, beginning of October. September is just the money month. You just got to put the time on the water. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. I think it's one of those months where I I will look at the moon window, but I would prefer just to be out there for however long, however much time I have, you know, just grinding away regardless of what the weather is going to do. Or the moon, the moon, I'm sorry, regardless of what the moon's going to do. Yeah, I think one other key factor that maybe we should maybe touch on Jeff is that the fact that we're really looking forward to the water temps starting to drop. And as those water temps cool down and then maybe they stabilize in a cooler type environment, if you will, and they're not spiking during the day, they're just staying nice and cool. One of the things that I can tell you, if we have another warm up, say like three weeks from now, that little warm up can really kind of create a peak activity level as well. So something to think about, but you know, right now at the end of August, cool down, warms back up, cool down, warms back up. It can be tough fishing. That's for sure. And it seems like the windows are a little bit smaller, but once that stuff, uh, the water temp starts to drop and it stabilizes a little warm up can actually be a really good triggering effect. So keep that in mind as well. Well, I think, um, you know, a little briefer podcast tonight, especially because, like I said, usually Carrie makes this thing run long, Brad. You and I have been pretty solid at about an hour, but, you know, the last couple have been hour and 10, hour and 20 or whatever they were because, you know, Carrie just can't, you just can't get her, you know, once she gets rolling, you just can't stop it. So anyways, um, with that being said, if anybody's looking for gear for, you know, an upcoming fishing trip, 
certainly check out Team Rhino Outdoors. You can check us at teamrhinooutdoors.com. Pretty much every bait that we talked about tonight can be found there, and I'm sure there's many, many others that can be found there as well. And you'd probably also want to check out Musky Mayhem Tackle. Um, you can check us out, muskymayhemtackle.com. And you can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the normal uh, craziness. But uh, love to have you part of the team and uh, check us out and take it from there. All right. Well, once again, we just want to thank all of our listeners for taking time out of their schedule to listen to our podcast. Hopefully they were able to take a little bit of information out of, out of this one. We tried to you know, offer up something in, in light of you know, a, a shorter schedule this week. So anyways, we want to thank everybody for doing that and thank our listeners for doing it every single week. I mean, we have probably some of the most loyal podcast listeners there ever were. It seems like there's certain anglers that are dialing it up right away on Wednesday morning, you know, and Wednesdays are obviously a very uh, big download day for us. So we really do appreciate that. We want to thank everybody for taking time out of their schedule to dial up teamrhinooutdoors.com, muskymayhemtackle.com this season. I know there's still lots of season left, but... It's been uh, the support that both of our companies have received this year has been nothing short of phenomenal. I would say I think Brad and Kerry would agree, and so right. you know, so we can't thank you guys enough for that. And you know, it's just been like I said, it's just been a great season. And we'll catch everybody again with a new episode next Wednesday. It'll be a post Labor Day episode. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to dial up a guide. I have a few in mind. I. I it's never a shortage of guides. I've been through this before. It's always just about, you know, us finding enough time to get them scheduled. I have a couple guides in the south that I want to talk to yet, and I know one of them's been gone, uh, fishing PMTT type stuff, and I'll, I'll dial back up with him, you know, pretty soon. But anyways, that's what we got going on. It's never a shortage of, of people on the list. The list keeps growing, I think, every day. And there's still, Brad, I mean, you know the list. We still have tons of people we need to talk to that we haven't yet, so... That's for sure, Jeff. I mean, uh, the list has been compiled. It's a matter of getting some of these guys to get some time. You know, that's that's the bottom line. During the season, it makes it a little bit tougher, that's for sure. Um, not only our own schedules, but uh, now you're trying to schedule a guy who is uh, on the water anywhere from 8 to 18 hours a day. It makes it a little tough. Definitely. So that's all we have this week. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for shopping with us and supporting our businesses. And we'll catch everybody with a new episode next Wednesday.